it's shiny, it's awesome, it's cool, it's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 Hello and welcome back to Hold On I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood and you are listening to our preview of UFC Fight Night, Marlon Vera versus Dominic Cruz and Tom Ballam on a scale of shit to really shit. How bad is this card that we're, uh, that we're going to be talking about this week? Uh, Nate Landwer, co-main shit, Joe. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Well, I'll Plus say... Plus this fella, David Ananima. I'm hoping you're gonna gonna bring some big details on these guys, bro. David Onama owns. He has a standing knockout a couple of fights ago. Knocked some guy out against the fence, and he was literally flopping against the cage. Out, brilliant. I'm already more hype. Bring on the pod. All right, brilliant. Let's let's not fuck around here, Tom. Let's go into this. Marlon Vera versus Dominic Cruz in the bantamweight division title contender fight. Let's just say it, this is banging. What a banging fight this is. It's a great matchup, Joe. Yep, two top 10 guys. Marlon Vera on the come up and Cruz uh, after a little bit of a setback um, going back to 20, 2020, you know, losing his fight, of course, to Cejudo and then that kind of close decision against Casey Kenny. He's back. He's eyeing the title. It makes sense to match these guys up. Do you, um, do you worry for Dominic Cruz in this fight? Because I do a little bit. Because me and you have been kind of long-term Dominic Cruz fans, I feel like. He's turned a lot of people off with his the way he talks and his commentary for some reason. I th- think I can speak for both of us. We love his commentary uh, because of the reasons why people hate it. Um, but do you worry for him in this matchup? Because the old being eaten by the young, that is how this sport works. I mean, 36 at bantamweight, Joe. That's like a Chuck Liddell at heavyweight these days. Uh, <laughs> these days? <laughs> well, like I'm hearkening back there to Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz. Oh, the third uh, one. One of the most, yeah, the most disgraceful things I've ever seen matched up. That's how old Dominic Cruz is at bantamweight right now. Mm. Um, however, I don't know if he is as diminished as Chuck Liddell. So I think it's unfair to say he doesn't deserve to be in there. Uh, ultimately, he was given the decision against Casey Kenny. He's beaten Pedro Munoz, a man who was certainly giving Sean O'Malley some trouble. Another hot young gun in the division. Mm. So I don't know, Joe. I would I couldn't say that I'm 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 worried. I'm I'm intrigued, is what I am. I think what um what gets to me about the Cruz thing though is that he is definitely diminished from his best even though his best years were very limited due to injury we don't need to go over the story of his injuries he was out for a very long time it's well known um issues what was it two years in total in his peak in his late 20s gone um and three years between years 2011 coming back in 2014 so between 2011 and 2016 the man fought once was the 2011 fight the Mizugaki fight? That was t- back in 2014. That was the 2014 fight. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then it was the Dillashaw fight, wasn't it, after the Mizugaki one? Yeah, Bro, he came back and won a split decision. Yeah, you know also it's bad when someone's like highlights, they bring up the highlights and he's got like sponsors on his shorts. Like, you know that there was a big, <laughs> big gap in his career. Anyway, the whole thing with Dominic Cruz was that he was so far ahead of the game in the past 
mostly down to his footwork. Like, that was the thing that made him most, you know, interesting and kind of made him the champion that he was with his sort of um, takedowns that he would throw in there and sort of weird style. I mean, he's one of those fighters where if you just saw a silhouette of him fighting and didn't see you would know immediately that it was Instantly. Dominic Cruz. Instantly. Instantly. Like, yeah, those... Uh... Also, the winging those shots from kind of straight at strange angles. He also throws his punches in quite a unique way. The way he kind of, it's like a winging. It's not even a hook. It's like a side punch. Yeah, it's um, weird, isn't it? Because it's almost like he's his hands are at his waist, sort of as he's dipping and moving, and then he sort of dips into his shots and they come up like almost over his head. It's a very, very, very odd sort of uh, shots that he throws in there, which in theory would then line up to like shots to the body, but. Can't really remember many Dominic Cruz fights where he worked the body that much, um, but you know we're talking about a guy who is past his peak. If honestly, but doesn't mean that he is past his you know best well, Joe, per se. Joe, like on, he, he could on, still on, offer on, a lot to this on. division. Go on, Tom. Hold on now. Hold on. Hold on. Can you point to some evidence when you say he's past his peak? Explain the last. Why. The last three fights, I would say, mostly the fact that he has been dropped. In his last four fights, including the Carpran one, but there was a big gap between that and the Cejudo one. But, you know, drops by Cejudo. Uh, dropped by Casey Kenny, is that correct, if I remember correctly? I Dro- remember it was a bruising bruising encounter. Kate Kenny was able to find a home for, for yeah. his hooks in that fight. Yeah, uh, but, you know, Cruz, I think he's even said that he wasn't really ready for that Cejudo fight. Um, took it on short notice, of course, he was going to take that as a title shot. And then the Munoz one, where he got dropped in the first round. Dominic Cruz is a guy who builds on speed and movement. And if we're seeing that his speed and movement is not at the level that it once was, and that he is now getting caught by these guys, surely then that would factor into your thinking then in this, that he could be in trouble here against someone like Marlon Vera, who is a guy who isn't quite... He's a bit of an anomaly within the bantamweight division in that he's a guy who's kind of be, have to be outstruck he actually has a negative strike differential um but what he does do instead is unleash killer blows to his opponents he's he's not really one for volume he's more for the uh quality over quantity approach to striking which in theory you're thinking could help Cruz. you know his sort of dancing in and out movement but if that speed's gone you know those shots that just grazed the chin start landing flush, particularly from a guy like Marlon Vera, I think that in my mind's eye, I could see these issues for Cruz. You know, again, 36 years old against a guy who's 29. I know Vera's been around for a while, but still a young dude coming into his best years. Yeah, I can certainly see what you're saying there. Um, uh, it's, it's probably a fair overview, but I'm not entirely convinced by Cheeto Vera yet. What? I, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not entirely convinced. That's surprising, I, considering I, that me and well, you have been fans of him for quite a while. And well, you I, have been very positive on Cheeto Vera in the past. Yeah, I mean, in the wider context of, like, when we look at this bantamweight division, all right, mm. and I, not, I don't need to start reeling off the names, do I, Joe? But when we just look at the top, the company right now that Sanhagen, he, uh, sorry, Vera finds himself in, is ahead of him. He's got Corey Sanhagen... Jose Aldo, mm. TJ Dillashaw, Petter Yan, and of course the champ, Aljamain Sterling. Mm. I'm uncomfortable sitting him in there with those names. You, how, many of those, how many of those names do you think he could beat? 
Well, I was thinking about that as we go through. I, it depends what kind of Dillashaw we get, but yeah, we know that was the name I was thinking as well. <laughs> right, <laughs> because I think Petr Jan puts a whooping on him. We've seen Jose Aldo already. He beats Chito Vera. Uh, they've already fought. Mm-hmm. Corey Sandhagen, I don't think Vera can land a shot on. Now, that's a bit brutal. And I think yeah. Aljamain would run him over as well. So that's why I'm saying that uh, I just feel a little bit uneasy. Like, how good is he really? And I don't know if we're going to find out this fight against Cruz, but we're certainly going to find out if he's not enough. That's if Right, right. But if he, if, if he beats Cruz... Then he has to be given the opportunity to be to show. I mean, we'll talk about that when we talk about Jamahal Hill as well in a in a few minutes. Uh, but like, go on. Well, I do have to say, I do have to say now, whilst I'm dumping on Vera and kind of cooling cooling the hype on him right now, I didn't see the Rob Font fight. Oh, bro, <laughs> bro, that was it was it was one of those where he was outstruck quite a lot actually. I think it was by like a hundred plus strikes differential in that fight. But it was a clear five-round win for him. He battered Font. Battered him. Like, his shots were just brutal. And it was one of those where, like, Vera got outstruck by 100-plus strikes. And then you look at their faces at the end of the fight. Font's eyes closed up. This one started to close up as well. And Vera kind of looks the same as he did before. It was a lot of Font working his jab trying to work in from there. He'd throw, like, the jab three, four times. And then Vera would, like, land, like, a huge kick huge uppercut, big right straight down the middle. Like, he was landing big, big shots on Font. And it was actually kind of surprising that Font managed to uh, go the distance. Vera even talked about it in his um, pre-fight interview this week, talking about that fight, where it's thinking, I had Font hurt, but I didn't want to rush in. I didn't want to sort of give up my advantage over him. So I'd rather have, like, worked him over and worked him over until I could see a clear finish and I didn't want to rush in to find that finishing shot. So that kind of shows his sort of mentality of like willing to wait, willing to pick and choose his exact moments of when he's going to try and finish them. Um, but it's whether you get that opportunity against Dominic Cruz and it's whether the old Dominic Cruz is back and how much you buy into that. And it's hard for us to really say considering his last few performances. I mean, I did think he beat Pedro Munoz. I did think he beat Casey Kenny. But there was just these things and moments where I'm like, Against a Sandhagen, against Piatian, I would not fancy Dominic Cruz in those no, fights. No. no, there's no question about that. I mean, uh, if we come back after a Cruz win and we talk about his next matchup, that's when I'll start worrying for him. Because then you do enter that killer's realm. Uh, mm. Rob Font is a man who's been found out to be outside of those killer's realm. That killer's realm, not because of the loss of Vera, but we knew that already after the loss to Aldo. So yeah. What I want to see is a matchup for Chito Vera that shows does he belong at the very top. Well, but anyway, Joe, how how do you see this one going? If 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 you can't get through Cruz, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Marlon Vera. I'm going to go with the Marlon Vera win. Um, I think because of his approach, I would not go for a knockout win. I think he, I could see him losing. The first round, you know, he does pick up over time. I mean, you remember the Frankie Edgar win where Frankie won the first round and was actually winning the second round until Vera started to turn it in that round in his favour before getting a brutal head kick knockout. Um, so, yeah, I'm leaning. I, I lean towards Vera. In fact, I favour Vera in that fight. Um, Tom, what about you? 
Well, uh, Vera, he is the matchmaker's favourite. Uh, mm. Reasonably convincingly so. Um, you can get three to one on, on, on Dom Cruz to win the fight. Uh, there's something tickling me, Joe. I think it could be a renaissance performance for Dominic. Uh, really? I'm free. I got a, well, I got my free license now. It's not a it's not a main event. It's not a main card. I mean, so I'm going to throw some wild card out prediction out there. I'm going for a Dominic Cruz win by decision. Wow! Outpointing him, dipping and dipping and weaving, winging big hooks, not doing much damage, but mm. kind of jog, <laughs> jog, jogging away. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what I want is I want this to be the best Dominic Cruz, and I want if Marlon Vera is going to win, I want him to be the best Dominic Cruz. I don't want to come out of this the other side going like, well, yeah, whatever. I want to, as you're saying, next week we're coming back on this podcast on Tuesday, and I'm like, give me Marlon Vera versus. Aljamain Sterling or something. I mean, like I that. tell you what, Joe. If if Cruz could go and put a dominant win over Vera, you'd have to you'd have to catch a bit of hype, wouldn't you? You'd have to. <laughs> you'd be well, animated, particularly then, is if Dillashaw beats Sterling for the title. You'd you'd mm. you'd be crazy to not go with Cruz Dillashaw too. Oh, I think you? we know Dana would couldn't resist that. Yeah, I, I rewatched now, that uh, first fight not that long ago, and that is honestly one of the most masterpiece fights I've ever seen. Like, those two are incredible. Dillashaw in losing that fight is one of the best losing performances I've ever seen. Really, really is. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to hype that up. Tom, please continue. Well, it's good to have a little bit of hype, Joe, because uh, now we're going to dump over the rest of this shit show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm scrolling through the matchups here, and I'm trying to think, where do I begin? I think I'll begin by passing it over to you, Joe. There's nothing that's catching my attention. We mentioned um, David Ananama. With a Onama. Onama. I mean, come on, come on man. You got um, Nina, Nunes, Nina Nunes on the prelims. I mean, the one that, I, that popped to my mind, and I said this last week, was the Ariana Lipsky-Priscilla Cachoeira fight. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Where, bro, that is, that is stinky. Devin Clark versus uh, Azamat Muzakanov. I, I, I think this is a light heavyweight. I'm not sure. Uh, it is a light heavyweight. It is a light heavyweight, yeah. I mean, this Mirzakhanov is 11-0. Oh, this is the guy who got the last second knockout win. Yes, yes. In his debut, Mirzakhanov. I'll have to bring up who he fought. But um, I remember this. He was getting absolutely pieced up. And then he landed a hellacious knockout. Undefeated fighter. Um, oh, blooming neck. I'll have to bring up his, uh, his record in a second. But yeah, I, I agree with you. This card is... This is worse than the fight night card we just had, the Hill-Santos one, isn't it, in terms of quality of fighters. Tafon Nchukwi was the guy he knocked out with a flying knee in the third round. Good stuff. More, more, more flying knees, and you might get some more name recognition, and you might get some airtime on Hold On, I'm Talking Brother. But until <laughs> then, we're moving on, Joe. I'm not yeah. going to stoop to discuss any more. Like, this is rubbish. It this is, is rubbish. absolutely rubbish. Yeah. Uh, now, fortunately, around the corner, we will have UFC 278, but we're not going to get into that yet. That'll be next week. Mm-hmm. You'll have to rejoin us for that. What is the most exciting fight on that card, though, Joe? 278? 278. Are you talking about the uh, the uh, the juicy middleweight matchup between uh, Luke Rockhold and Paolo Costa? That's the fight that you're most hyped for, isn't it? That's fun. That's a lot <laughs> of fun. That's great matchmaking. I mean... Can't justify yeah. it in any rankings or any, you know, form I know. basis. Why not? I mean, Rockhold is... He's in some rocky, rocky waters. Rocky. What, you mean like 
hellacious comeback, you know, he's going to uh, get another title shot. Screaming Adrian, is that all we're going to get? We're going to get that sort of moment from Rockhold? I mean, anyway, it's fantastic. It's fantastic matchmaking. I am really excited about that. But there's some serious competition in Jose Aldo versus Marab. And of course, finally, Leon Edwards, the Brit, getting the rematch against Kamaru that we've been waiting for, we've been crying out for. Yes, UK indeed. Fans. So tune in next week, guys, to follow us on that. I think mm. now we're going to take a little look at last weekend, though, because we did have some fun fights on the on the last fight night. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, the first UFC card since the Bisping Rockhold card in Australia, where every single fight ended in a finish. And everyone was very excited about that. And then I watched the card, and I'm like, this card was absolute dog shit. Like, what are people watching here? Brian Battle getting a knockout that people were excited for? What, what? Like, people, come on. Have some standards here, for fuck's sake. Like, or am I, am I being harsh here, Tom? Was this card actually good? Well, I think we can say that, you know, we've, uh, we weren't excited. We're not excited about this weekend's card coming up. But if it ended up finishing in the same way that this one did, we would be more positive about it. I.e. it defied expectations. Some other good news did emerge from the card as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Alvey, he's been cut, Joe. He's finally <laughs> gone. Smiling Sam. Oh, speaking of smiling Sam. Yes, he was cut. Broken jaw, which is not good. I mean, when that's starting to happen and you're nine fights without a win, you know, that was... Was it 10 or something? Something crazy. He... Well, he took on kind of meme status in the in the social media because he was dodging this... this The draft, dodging being cut from the UFC for so long. Lots of speculation about Dana, one night in Las Vegas. What happened there? Yeah. Something in one of the private poker rooms. Sam Alvey got involved, but... <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's finally gone. I think that is for the best. Glad to move on from that one. But on the main card, I thought there was some fun stuff, Joe. Hold on. Can I, can I go back to Sam Alvey just quickly? <laughs> of course. I've, the I've, last word on Sam Alvey. Right. He uh, had an interview with Ariel Hawani this week. He, don't tell me that he wants to come back. I don't. Just don't. No. Don't no. Two things. He's going to keep fighting. But there's one no, thing. Don't. There's one thing that would stop him from fighting, and that he would quit and do that immediately. Do you want to take a guess at what that would be? Uh, the Rapture. <laughs> pro wrestling. That's his true yeah. first love. Is pro wrestling, and that is something that he would be interested in going into. Um, I mean, particularly if your records like that, you're not going to be a world champion in pro wrestling either, because you can't. You can't make the business look that bad brother we can't be having that and the other thing is he said be interested in boxing did you see who he called out to box jake Tom? paul yes Let's indeed. Go. <laughs> he did indeed call out jake paul that is um apparently he sparred them for their boxing matches uh was brought in for a couple rounds said logan paul was a very nice young man and that jake paul was a bitch um <laughs> so trying to build that promo brother anyway let's move the fuck on because that is that's literally i think the last time Sam Alvey will ever be said on this podcast. Um, let's talk about the main event. Jamahal Hill finishes Tiago Santos. Which one of us made that prediction, Tom? It was me. That's who predicted that. Thank you. It was in good form. In good form you are. Yes, When indeed. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do you feel like... I felt like how you feel about Marlon Vera uh, in the bantamweight division, um, about Jamahal Hill in the light heavyweight division, of like... He has now earned the right to fight one of his top five guys, and I really worry about him fighting some of these top five guys. 
like Ankalaev, Blahovic, Glover. You know, you're getting taken down by Thiago Santos. Brother, Glover to share it yeah. is licking those lips. Like, that I is... I think so. That's, yeah, I'm a little bit worried for him. I, I think he's earned the right, and I thought it was a tremendous performance. Um, I did have him losing the fight up until then. I had Santos winning two of the first three rounds, yes. First and the third. The third is when he was spamming those takedowns relentlessly and then gassed himself. Um, but yeah, that was that was my main feeling of this fight. And also my main note here of uh, sloppy slugfest. Um, that was my main feeling on this fight. I mean, I know Jamahal will be uh, upset to have his name associated with a sloppy slugfest. Mm. Uh, but it was the, the making of a man. You know, he came through some hardship. I did ask some questions of him on, on the preview. And, I mean, we did find out that, yeah, Glover would likely manhandle him and tear mm. him limb from limb. Because it was interesting, this uh, kind of takedown approach from Thiago Santos, pretty much acknowledging that he can't hang with with the young guns anymore, that he's mm. lost that explosive edge that took him so far. Uh, now, of course, in the absence of explosive athletic ability one needs to have some sort of technique and in shooting for takedowns I think Thiago Santos was acknowledging that his technique as a striker is lacking um, yeah. and and we did see glimpses of that but Joe as you say um, I, I, I do recall now I also had it uh, three uh, two rounds to one um, before before it went the way it did I mean mm. the first round I think um, Thiago Santos was kind of beat him on the feet and then it was in the third round where he implemented that wrestling game and piece by piece slowly but surely mm. he kind of started to grind down Jamahal Hill to begin with mm. uh, Hill was having reasonable uh, he was reasonably comfortable kind of shrugging him off mm. but Santos he kept chugging away <laughs> kept chugging away I thought, hold on a second yeah. is he gonna do it is this is it working and the look on Hill's face going in after yeah. the end of the third round, that he was puffing, Joe. He was, in, he was in some deep water. Yeah, he was struggling. He was really, really struggling. Uh, luckily for him, though, Tiago Santos was also struggling as well. And the shots that started to put him away, like Santos was actually almost like moving away. I think not so much that the strikes were like knocking him out or, you know, he's getting those sort of like blanking out for a moment. It was more like, oh, God, I'm so tired. Like, I can't take this anymore. And the end of the fight... I mean, that could have been stopped 10 shots earlier, uh, in my opinion. The Herb Dean special. Um, but it was a dogged performance from Hill. We saw that he can go into the, that fourth round and still get a finish and still keep fighting and still keep going, despite that feeling at the end of the third round. Again, I do worry if he fights. I mean, even Blahovich would take downs. I, like, I think Blahovich would probably take him down. <laughs> and Ankalaev definitely would as well. Um, and those guys on top of him, you know, I'm a little bit worried for Hill, but he needs that test. He earned, he's earned that test. He certainly has. Yeah, uh, he certainly has. And I think I think you're you're likely right in in um, you know how you see those fights at the top of the division. They might go. Uh, hopefully, he can get some intensive work done. Now he's seen the holes in his game. You know, the uh, Thiago Santos, the way that he went down, that he kind of succumbed to fatigue, you know what he really reminded me of? He reminded me of another Brazilian, mm. uh, a Brazilian who also falls victim to wrestling. Uh, although 
Tiago Santos, of course, fell vic- victim to his own wrestling and gassing himself <laughs> out. Um, it was Edson Barbosa after being pinned to the mat. Oh, yes. You know when he just starts like sw- like lurching from side to side and every shot is kind of magnified and yeah 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 like it's, that it, that like adrenaline dump is there and yeah, yeah and also like he just gets demoralized as well so it's just like he's not even like trying to push through and so this shot's almost like landing on like a rag doll basically like it's just yeah it's it's not a it's not a it's not a good look for him, is it? Well, I mean, Santos, he was he was rumbling. He was rocking and rolling. Uh, and not in the Taito Ivasa way, more in the just, yeah, just totally gassed and any shot could mm. put him away. Um, it, it was a bummer for, for Thiago Santos. It, I, I can't, I can't, I, I mean, he fought okay, but I, I, now I can't, don't have any rebuttal to what you said about him, you know, before the fight. Just like... Is it the end? No, it's not the end. It's just... He should just not be fighting guys in the top ten, and he shouldn't really shouldn't have been fighting Hill, to be honest. Like when you've had this many losses, or you've had losses to these guys that are highly ranked, maybe you should be fighting guys that are ranked like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, maybe even unranked. You know, like a Dustin Jacoby or something along those lines. You know, start to build yourself back. Anthony Smith Joe was... Dustin Jacoby's a killer. He's a you don't sleep on Justin. I'm Jacoby. not sleeping. I'm not sleeping on him, but he's not a ranked fighter. Like this he's is 14th. like he's, well, he is now. Uh, okay, but like Anthony Smith was afforded, you know, Devin Clark, Ryan Spann, all these other fucking J-Brones, right? After, you know, uh, no offense to Jimmy Crute, but like, you know, he's afforded that after like losing to, was it Rakic that he lost to? Why wasn't Santos afforded the same thing? Does he just need this main event? Like, does he need to fight in main events? Why is he fighting in main events all the time? Give him a three round fight against, I don't know. Ryan Span, but like, I, no, I don't want to watch Ryan Span. But like, you know, Da Unjun or something. You know, him. Give me something like that. Just, I tell you, I, th- I think though, Joe, I think this sums everything up. Now, when you said the name Ryan Span, a little part of me worried for Santos, and then you said that <laughs> you said Da Unjun, and I felt, oof, he's a big lad. Yeah, he's a big lad. I don't know. I, it, I yeah, it was, it was, it was sad. He's, he has, got, he's gone. His knees have gone, Joe. He's he's lost his edge. He doesn't carry that threat. It's really, yeah, it's really, it's hard because he put it all on the line for the UFC. He went all the way to the belt. Not the most rational decision. He didn't prioritize his future well-being. The sport damn well won't do it. The UFC damn well won't take care of him. And so it's really upsetting for me to see see this. I have to to call it what it is. It's it's a decline. You know, he's gone. He won't be the same again. And I I don't know what matchups to make for him, and but he is he's only gone down to rank nine, Joe. So you're in Krilov territory. Yeah, Reyes. Yeah, this Vulcan? is it. Volcan, where's Volcan? He Volcan is eight. He's one ahead. Now I I think Santos has to fight further down. Unranked, I think. Mm. I think unranked. Like he he should. He should be afforded the chance to at least end his UFC run in, you know, some kind of positive way. Because, like, you know, people talk about Jones Gustafson of, like, oh, Gustafson's the guy that pushed Jones to the limit. It was Santos. Santos was the first one to really push Jones. Like, really, really do it. And, like, got he actually got... One of the judges gave him the fight. 
and it was like this real incredible moment of like this guy absolutely blew his body out his li- his limits were co- he went past it did the most inc- one of the most incredible performances that we've ever seen came mm. up short and showed that one of the greatest fights of all time was very much human um and this is his reward is you know getting jobbed out in main events against guys who are always that are going to just beat him really that and now he's getting finished yeah not not yep. a good look well said joe i couldn't add um anything else like he, t- he gave us one of those great sporting moments and uh, yeah he will always have credit for that on hold on i'm talking brother yeah one of the great underdog fight performances you know it's just something that really sort of I don't know, puts the hair up on your fucking arms. Do you know what I mean? When you're thinking, like, he absolutely emptied the jug. And, well, this is what he's rewarded with. Speaking of heartbreak, Vincente Luque gets finished by Jeff Neal. Bro, I was heartbroken. <laughs> like, I was watching him going, like, Jeff Neal's really fucking good, isn't he? Like, I forgot how great this guy is. And then, why did he have to do it against Luque? Why couldn't he do it against, you know, Bilal Mohammed or something? Like, why do I have to... Why does one of our boys have to be sacrificed here? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Standout performance for Jeff Neal with the with the finish over Luke, a man who cannot be finished, a man who will not succumb. Mm. Uh, he tried his normal style, Luke, of just marching forwards anyway. Um, he tried it quite a few times in the first round in particular, and Jeff Neal would constantly land that left left straight straight through, and it was finding a home all day. Uh, by the end of the first round, Luque really had had enough of that. He mm. <laughs> suddenly had been kind of stayed in place. Um, in the second round then, Luque kind of composed himself a little bit and it was pretty even. There was a bit of concern in the corner of Jeff Neal. Uh, what I think was going on there, Joe, is that basically Neal was kind of taking the fight a little bit too Luque and that seemed to not work so well for Jeff. And mm. uh, very interesting in that I don't know how much we learned about Jeff Neal here because I think Luke actually, in hindsight, was a perfect matchup for him. A man who would just march on to shots. He obliged the best part of Jeff Neal's game. Jeff Neal drew him into that left hand and then circled off nicely from there and sort of bait Luke into throwing and then circle off the other way, bringing, pulling him into his power hand. It was really, really well done. And it was that was the word that popped up in my head as well is that he was pausing Luke. Luke was like, and nobody really ever does that to him. Like that is the fighter that Luke is. He is marching forward through your whatever you're you're dishing out. And I think it's the weird thing in that second round. Yeah, as you say, that Neil started to move forward and Luke had more success. I gave that second round to Luke, so I had it one all going into the third. I'm like, well, here we go. Luke is going to start. You know. It's, it's the tide has turned and then Neil I mean rocks Luke massively has him up against the cage and then unloads what was it 10 left uppercuts in a row <laughs> as if he was like just fucking around with like <laughs> like a heavy bag or something like so it's like I'll just spam the same shot over and over and over again like horrendous technique but was just landing on Luke Luke just couldn't get him away he was swarming all over him he wasn't able to move and then finished him um, quite incredibly. Jeff Neal, after having a bit of having some problems, you know, he had the health problems. Well, I think he almost died, didn't he? Had pneumonia as well. Um, had a couple setbacks, 
couple dodgy performances. I remember the Wonder Boy one was particularly frustrating, but then Wonder Boy does bring that air of people. Um, but he's back. What do we think next for uh, for Jeff Neal, Hands of Steel? Well, he takes on the mantle now. He takes the torch against the the wrestler. Yes. Wrestler heavy, top of the division. He becomes the great bright hope. Luke, of course, had already unfortunately been extinguished by Bilal Muhammad. Uh, so I guess fresh blood. Our, our hopes are riding with you now, Jeff. He's jumped up five places uh, in the rankings. He's up to rank eight now. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, this is who's ahead of him. Sean Brady, Bilal Muhammad. Mm. Gilbert Burns, Oof. Hamzat Chimaev, Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, and Kamara Usman. Where's Jorge Masvidal? Uh, he is one rank behind him with, is he? with Luke on nine. Yeah. Wow, Masvidal's not getting that, that ranking privilege, is he? Like, he's been dumped down those rankings. Rightly so. Maybe, you know, what? Well, he should have done the Connor thing of not fighting, and then he would have stayed higher up the rankings. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joe, I, t- I, tell you, I tell you one... One other danger zone that Jeff Neal has entered there. He's jumped ahead of Shavkat Rachmanov. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know that Neal's called for the Burns fight, although apparently I think the UFC are working on Burns versus Masvidal uh, as their next fight, which would be quite something. Um, I'd wait out for the winner of that one. <laughs> Don't bother with. Like, literally only fight only fight some of those guys if absolutely necessary i mean could he beat Malak balal though is he more does he have a bit more output for balal than luke oh yeah this is just this is it joe no i i would love to see him beat balal but yeah yeah (laughs) i mean the good thing i guess for us is that, that balal is facing sean brady at ufc 280 so yeah. I guess one of those wrestlers will be knocked off out the way. But then it's like, great, you, then you have to face the other wrestler. So, you know, and then I guess Hamzat's going to be fighting for the title. Well, he's got Nate to walk past first, and then he's going to be fighting for the title. But uh, it's dodgy territory. Yeah, I'd, I'd say try and face Burns, probably. Or if you can, Masvidal. Joe, you're not telling me you think Jeff Neal beats Burns, are you? I'd say it's the most favourable fight out of those ones, but even though that is bastard hard, I will. Uh... That is that is yeah that is the UFC on hard mode. I mean, there is the, there is the likes of the Leech, Michelle Pereira. Oh, yeah. Pereira would be a good one. Yeah, do you reckon, yeah. Do you reckon Pere- all these strikers are just going to be like, can we just face each other and maybe we'll get a title shot that way? It's two to two leagues. I mean, I think we 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 support that. I want I want to see some of these guys kind of cancel each other out. Uh, yeah. Which we will. I think Brady versus Bilal, that is great. Maybe they yeah. can fight each other a few times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. Why are you shitting on Sean Brady so much? Like, I like a bit of Sean Brady. He's got like a, you know, real dog ugly style, real unfavoured by people. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Right, Joe, let me tell you about someone who doesn't have... Oh, well, oh! It is an ugly style, actually. <laughs> I was going to say someone who doesn't have a dog ugly style, but good lord... Mohamed Usman is uh, <laughs> not uh, well-rounded in all facets of the game. Uh, now, this first round against Zach Pauga. By the, by <laughs> yeah, the way, my, my main yeah. note was Pauga as well. I, I quite like Pauga. That's that was. I'm liking some of these striking combinations. 
Absolutely, but seemed to be the lighter man, certainly the faster man, and Usman just looked absolutely dreadful. I was all set uh, going, you know, for the break in the first round, going to the second, just absolutely dumping on Usman. Like, this is such a shame. He just needs to, you know, like, it, everything's there for him. Mm. He's Usman's, bit, Usman's giant brother. You yeah, know? yeah, and, yeah. And he looks like a like a handful, like a terrifying man. Like he, like everybody's behind him. You got Kamaru there. He must be explaining something about wrestling. He must be telling him Bro. something about fighting. I, I know, I know. I've heard that Usman You've heard, somehow not seen. <laughs> no, I've, no, I certainly haven't seen. But I did hear. I think that he said that in some wrestling meetup somewhere uh, that Kamaru finished third and and he was picked second. Now. Look, Joe, at the end of this this first round, it was such a poor round for Usman. I was saying, like, surely, surely, when your brother is Kamaru Usman, possibly the greatest of all time, a man yeah. entering that conversation, he must have explained something about how to win fights. Yeah. He must have said how to get through these moments. And uh, what he told him, Joe... It's just swang and bang, baby. <laughs> Let those hands fly. Oh, my God. So, Pauga steps in with a jab. And there it is. Sweet check hook. I think it was a left a left hook. Left hook, If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Gadooshed Pauga. Sent oh. him to the shadow room. And then, Did what the a celebration, Lord, Joe. Everything like that. It was... By the way, Pauga, I thought it was striking. It was very good. And then, he did that dipping, the Juliana Pena dipping jab. <laughs> and then, he just stayed there. He, took, he had, had a look. And then Usman went in, took him out. Brilliant finish. Um, he is the ultimate fighter winner. Um, a long, glorious lineage of uh, winners of that, including Brian Battle. And who was that dickhead who was stamping his feet, foot the other week? He won the ultimate fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That yeah, that fella. Um, yeah, man. Um, do you know what my main note and takeaway was from this fight as well was... Um, how big is Kamaru? When he was stood next to his brother, they were the same yeah. height and basically yeah. the same width as well. It yeah. was pretty. Which brings us on to the next question: How ineffective is Usada? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, that yeah. man's nipples were were sending a flare. They were sending a signal. They were so pointy. <laughs> they were saying, "Fuck you, Usada." I was, uh, uh, I, was I was listening to Jack Slack. Uh, podcast uh, the other day and he brought up a good point isn't one of the Usman brothers a chemist <laughs> <laughs> okay I believe the that's the case I be- yeah the Walter White uh, <laughs> part of the family like well he should be very proud because he has created some <laughs> stunning uh, model specimens now Joe can we talk about that celebration from Mahmoud Usman oh bro that was scary that was intense holy shit Holy Bro, shit! His back. That his back was incredible. That's in the Ricky Simone level of back, wasn't it? Like that was. It, yeah, that is hallowed territory with with Ricky Simone. But yeah, scary, scary man. Not just in a like, let's glorify him because he's a great fighter and mm. he's big, but actually like, oh shit, that man is unhinged and yeah. he's had some serious trauma in his life. Bro, he was emotional. And, yeah. Joe, I, like, some bad stuff's happened there, and there should be somebody watching him and his family, mm. just to make sure everything's okay. Yeah, hopefully. Because it wasn't far from the surface, and if there wasn't 
a referee and you know security ready to come in I think Pauga <laughs> might not be with us anymore yeah because it was no need for the ground and pound now like it's it's up to the referee to step it in there and, and stop it Usman he's full of uh, something energy yes <laughs> <laughs> which he needs to get out yeah can't you buy but, that uh, boots energy you know and, uh, <laughs> and then G G-E-E um, anyway it's yeah I mean all right, let's ask the question. If if Mohamed Usman fights Sergei Spivak, who's winning that fight? Wow, the Spiv, Joe. The Spiv, the Spiv bro. Spiv the, is Spiv. A, the Spiv is a killer. Bro, He's a trips. killer. Those trips. Yeah, he, I mean, he just smushed Sakai. Sakai's had a, a reasonable run in, yeah. in heavyweight. He has, he's got some wins to his name, but... It's just no match for those 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 heels. Those yeah, those just tilt off balance, dump you on your back, climb all over you, and pound you out. First trip was inside, second trip outside leg, so he was across both legs as well. Just mauled him and then chaining takedowns together. Something that's so rare actually in MMA full stop, but particularly at heavyweight. And also the striking much improved from Spivak. That jab, stinging jab. Bro, the Spiv is coming. He is coming. He is much, much improved. Much improved. And, I mean, there's some guys at heavyweight who are above him in the rankings who I think should be avoiding this guy at all cost. Um, Tai Tuivasa does not want that rematch, I don't think. Well, this, yeah, this does highlight the kind of absurdity of it all. Now, the Spiv, he's a new, the Spiv, I'm going to say it. Sergei Spivak, you have earned, you've reclaimed your name. Sergey, you're ranked 12 right now. Mm. You're a new ranking. Uh, and yet you've got Taito Ivasa, who he's already smushed. <laughs> Who's going to be fighting for an interim belt? Well, basically. B- well, he's fighting bizarre for a n- world. Yeah. Well, he's fighting Garn, and that's a number one contender's fight. In, yeah. in the main event in Paris, in the UFC's first ever event in Paris. And yet, since that loss, Tuivasa somehow left the UFC, come back, overtaken Spivak to this uh, position. It's just that Spivak looks the way he does, doesn't drink alcohol from a shoe, and, um, you know, doesn't really speak much English. Um, hold on, hold on. That's changing as well, Joe. Uh, God bless him. <laughs> what was it? Nine fights in UFC, no bonus. Bro, he deserved uh, a bonus. Know. He deserved a bonus. He didn't get one for that for that performance either, which is again just disgraceful. He absolutely smashed Sakai, and actually, I feel like I'm looking now at the card. That's probably outside of Luke the most legitimate win you could get on that card. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Like, no offense to Juliana yeah. Miller. I don't. Did you watch the women's flyweight uh, tough final? Yeah, yeah, I watched the end of it. <laughs> What the, the the DX crotch chop in her face? Yeah. Like, yes, bro. That was that was you know, that was Brighton on a Friday night sort of uh, fighting. That was that was that was shit. Uh, let's let's be real. That was absolute shit. Um, and I don't think being two three and one now in the UFC is the best base for MMA. <laughs> like that's mm. that's not a good uh, ranking there or good uh, amount of fights to be going into the UFC with. Let's talk about it very quickly. Terence McKinney against Eric Gonzalez. McKinney, um, always fun. Never a chore. Another first round finish, Joe. Another, yeah. another first round finish. That's the way to go. That's the way to get some hype behind your name. Calls out uh, uh, Paddy Pimlet. 
Yeah, not that's not happening. No, it's not. Not happening. Just, just, just yet. No. But Joe, the other guy, I don't know. No, with a jabron, with a jabron to to that fella. Yeah, so, I was impressed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Right, let's talk about the news. There's been two retirements since we last spoke, Tom. Uh, let's talk about the one that was announced to, uh, yesterday, I believe. Uriah Hall retires from MMA. Um, with a run in the UFC, a record of 10 wins, 9 losses. Put it together at times, has some decent wins. Uh, I don't know if you'd call the one over Weidman really a win, but, you know, it's been given as a win. Musasi, I think, is probably the other significant win. Um, Musasi, but we, we must remember that that was avenged. Yeah, you know, but, that was yes. like lightning struck once. Yes. Um, yeah, then Musasi uh, smushed him. Um, guess one of the great examples of just unrealized potential, or is it just mental stuff that never really got him over the line? Uriah Hall. I I always think of the the famous knockout on the Ultimate Fighter, that spin kick, and I watched it again today. More time is spent in that famous clip on the aftermath of watching that guy dying there in the cage and everyone silently staring and being quite upset. And you can see that Uriah Hall is upset as well. More time is spent on that than the actual knockout. And I think that kind of sums up Uriah Hall's run quite well of just like something spectacular, but just something kind of off. There's always something quite off with his run. Um, Even to the point where he lost the Ultimate Fighter finale against Kelvin Gastelum, if I remember correctly. Um, When he was supposed to just be like, this is the next guy. This is, he's going to fight Anderson Silva and win the title. He did eventually beat Anderson Silva in his last fight in the UFC. But yeah, it's, yeah, what do you think it was? Do you think it was the mental side or do you think it just was never that good? I think he was never that good. Really? I think he was never that good. Yeah, Yeah. I think he was a man who, again, had that just real explosive athletic edge. Uh, And so, you know, he could, he had moments where Mm. that would come to the fore. But I think the the fundamentals were just never really there. Yeah, never really, there. never never really developed his game, did he? Never really I mean, added new wrinkles. One thing I will say for him, uh, you already you already mentioned it there, Joe, in that you know coming off the Ultimate Fighter, he was supposed to be the man, uh, and he spent pretty much his whole career at the top of the division, or let's say in the top ten at least. Yeah, it was always it was ranked for most of his run. Yeah, and of course, in the process of being ranked, and as the UFC has evolved around him, you know, real fighters, well, I say real fighters, but you know, you look at like the last loss to Muniz, for example, mm. or the loss to Strickland, even, you know, as the, yeah. like a pure, a pure striker, or I, I don't know if I can call Strickland that after his loss to Pereira, but you know, a man who's got a well-developed uh, striking fundamentals game, <laughs> at least if you remove the kickboxing mm. element of of MMA. Someone who can, who can jab, really put it on you. Muniz, of course, a jiu-jitsu specialist. Like, what I'm saying is the sport evolved around Uriah and he he couldn't keep up with it. Mm. Uh, so a ch- checkered run, but a man that most people will remember for those explosive moments. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I always will remember that knockout from the Ultimate Fighter, but again, it's, well, it's always going to be tainted with that, that thing of him saying... Sorry to him, and it's just like, yeah, of course he's going to say that because he's a human being. But it's like there was that thing just missing from him, wasn't there? Just that kind of edge, that sort of, and also the fact that 
you know, as I mentioned, his game didn't really change. Maybe he was never that fully committed to really evolving his style and thought like, well, I'll just get by on these skills and hopefully I can put a run together on this. Or, I don't know. I, I, I just, that's that's the main thing for me. Yeah, well, he leaves with, a, you know, 19 fights in the UFC. And, I, you know, I don't think, I think it's time. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what else he yeah. was going to do. Apart from getting smashed by a boy, Joaquin Buckley, but you know, that's 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 what was waiting for him because he was he was a sitting duck in those rankings, wasn't he? Like, yeah, he's one of those easy marks that we would come to time and again. By the way, speaking, who was the other retirement? Oh, uh, oh, James Krause retired. Oh, uh, really? Yes, James Krause retired again. Speaking of Buckley, the the matchup we never got. Gutted about that. Gutted. Um. Yeah, he he retired. I mean, he was always he was going into ca- uh, coaching already. Uh, coached Moreno in the Cara France rematch uh, for the interim title the other week. Um, but the interesting thing about this, he announced his retirement. Talked about his coaching, and whatnot. Do you want to know how he makes most of his money, Tom? <laughs> Not only fans. No, tell me. Yeah. Okay. Um, he makes it mostly betting on MMA. Oh no! Isn't it? Isn't it that he uh, people will call him up for tips? No, is it, I think I picked up on tips this as well, else. and also as a tout, as a tout mm. and also mm. making his own bets, which is a bit dodgy for a coach to be doing, don't you think? Yeah, what betting on the weaknesses of his own fighters, <laughs> like where he hasn't what he hasn't pre- prepared his lads for? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's always been a, a bit of a conundrum. Uh, because he's been pretty effective been pretty effective whenever I've seen him fight mm. definitely he is a man who has those fundamentals down uh, I think actually just flicked over to his record now Joe I mean this is a man with uh, seven wins out of his last eight fights yeah yeah I, d- I don't know what it was why Why? maybe it was just the training camps just to want to do I think I think it's the, the rise of the buck Joe <laughs> I think fear is what he it knew, is he, he knew he had to face him he knew he had to face him and just once he heard that Buckley promo, which I will be cutting into right now, um, <laughs> he didn't want any part of that. But, you know, it's other dudes out there that I want to fight who talking that nonsense and I really want to give it to him because when I heard him, the referee can't save him. And y'all know who I'm talking about. Who are you talking about? Yeah, I know who I'm talking about. Look at my name on YouTube. You will see him. He the only person talking stuff. I don't need to give his name out. Just do your homework and you know who I'm talking about. Fight I, Island, I, January twenty third. I know who it is. It's James Krauss. I just wanted to hear you say. You can say it. I ain't gonna okay. say his name. Listeners, thank you for joining us. Um, contact us at holdonbrother69 at gmail.com. Uh, pass this podcast on to your friends and family. Like, subscribe, rate, review, do whatever you want. Tom, thank you so much for joining us or joining me. Listeners, have a great weekend and goodbye.